Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast. It's episode 20 and we're talking back pain hacks. Now today guys, Rob and I are talking with Tom White. Now Tom runs a multidisciplinary clinic in the greater Manchester area. That means he's in charge of chiropractors, physiotherapists, massage therapists, a whole host of folks looking to get your backs feeling fantastic. This means he's perfectly poised to talk over his and our favorite tips, tricks, hints, hacks, if you're a millennial, uh, for keeping your back feeling great, whether you suffer from back pain already or whether you're looking to prevent it in the future. Uh, We've got some great hints, tips and tricks in here for you guys. Have a listen. If you've got anything to add, do keep emailing us, keep sending us messages. We love it. And we'll try and include this stuff in the next few shows. If you like what we're putting out there, guys, head over to our social medias, The Back Pain Podcast. We're on all the usual socials. Give us a like, share us with your friends and family, send links to people who you think might benefit. We'll keep doing what we're doing as long as it's helping you guys. Okay, then episode 20, Back Pain Hats, let's go. Welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast. Today, we're going to do our very first back pain hacks. So we've invited special guest, Tom White. Tom is a chiropractor. He sat down with Dave and myself, and we're going to go over and have a bit of a chat around the best hacks that we use on a regular basis for back pain. So little tips and tricks that we find ourselves recommending for patients left, right, and center. So, Tom, welcome to the podcast. How are you, mate? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. No worries, Tom. Good to see you. Good. Also joined by Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello there. Good. Right. So let's kick us off with talking about back pain hacks. So little things which you can just incorporate into your everyday life or into your routines, which might help you manage, not necessarily get rid of, but help you just manage the day-to-day pain. So the first thing which I find myself recommending to patients all the time is, I don't know if either of you guys do this, is if you get a bin bag and pop it on your car seat, when you're suffering with back pain, it allows you to spin on your car seat and get in and out of the car without any pain or with a lot less pain, I should say. So people come to us all the time and say, I really struggle to get in and out of the car. And that kind of first like twist or that like lift your leg up to get out of the car, especially if it's a low car, they find that they go, oh, I can't do that. But if you put a bin bag or a Tesco's bag in your seat, other shopping bags are are available you, you can just spin a lot uh, spin a lot easier and you can twist on it so i don't know if you guys have used that one used that one before do you know what? I, I haven't but you're so you're creating a little lazy susan you're creating a, a a pivot point that's slidey so you just get to shoot into the car exactly yeah or out of the car oh good point yeah do you use that on uh, leather seats as well or just on cloth seats Either or works on either. And also it could work on the bed when people want to get out of bed or sit down and, and get their legs up onto the bed or the sofa or the dining chair want to move around a bit or office chairs that twist a lot. It just gives you a little bit less friction. So you're not just put sat, sat on your backside and then twisting and there's a load of load going through your lower back. And if it's not very happy at that particular point, it, it yells at you. So uh, you find that this is quite a good way just to help 
a reduce some friction on your derriere, should I say. What a great excuse for why my bed is covered in bin bags. Okay. Um, so, so especially let's say someone's got a really low car as well and it's really tough to get in. That's got to be easier to, to do that little pivot. I love that, Rob. I'm going to steal that and pretend like it was my idea. And I, I've actually had patients who bought new cars because I have a patient with a very, very expensive Ferrari he's telling me all about last week and he's had to sell it because his back is so bad, he can't get in and out of it. So driving is a massive thing for people with back pain. And if you can just aid that movement and getting in and out of it, and we've all had patients or people know people that have then sold sports cars because they they can't get in and out of it. Um, and it's something that if it aids their uh, driving ability for a couple more years, there's uh, always, always benefit to that. Uh, last time I saw David Beckham getting out of a Rolls Royce, uh, sorry, a Ferrari, um, I think I did see a bin bag fall out behind him. Maybe this is a renowned <laughs> trip yeah. throughout the stars we just never knew about. Maybe Porsche and Ferrari should start doing bin bags that come with the cars. A, a branded <laughs> bin bag. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Porsche and Ferrari. Nine um, only. That, that's it, yeah. Uh, if you are listening there, Porsche, um, we are all three of us very happy to come and do some individual consulting work for your seats. We'll go do some testing, yeah. Bin bag testing. Yeah. Bin bag test. Do you remember those uh, uh, like minivans? Like, well, that's an American word, isn't it? You know, like people carriers. Mm. I think, was it a Toyota? And the seats used to spin. So in the back seat for kids. So you, it was like a six or seven seater car. And the middle seats used to spin around to face the rear. So you could have like people facing facing each other in the, in the back two rows. Mm. And that's kind of what you need for the front seats, really. Like, imagine a driver's seat that's spun. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a safety thing, and they're not allowed to. But if you could spin a driver's seat, they could get you could get in and out with a lot less pain. Now, tell you what, Rob, I've got a question for you on this. So, the people at home might be listening and thinking the same thing. Do you take the plastic bag out whilst you're driving? Do you get in, swivel, and then take it out, or do you leave it underneath you? I, I don't know. I be honest. I tell them to sit on a bin bag, and I. I would envisit, I would imagine that sitting on a bin bag and then having to take it out whilst you're sat on it is probably going to be too uncomfortable. I'm just getting worried about the emergency stop and having people landing on the windscreen because they've got a nice slidey bin bag behind them. Slide. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Have you seen Maybe Baby? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so do, do feel free to email us right in, folks. Um, if you if you use this fantastic tip, uh, let us know. Do you take it out in between? And we'll, we'll um, either edit this episode or we'll put better facts out for you uh, for the interim yeah. of getting in and out of the car. What an awesome tip, Rob. So, like, practical application of it with uh, the bin bag, do you put the bin bag over the seat so, and tuck it in the back, or do you just lay it on top? Lay it on top, because you need the two layers. Yeah, you need the, that dual the, surface. The, the, the yeah, slide. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you need that dual surface, yeah. I mean, I suppose if you were wearing bin bag-based trousers, you could have double friction-less trousers for even more smooth transitions. Like they're all the rage at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'd be surprised. I've seen, I've seen London Fashion Week. It, you know. <laughs> Um, and if you're feeling really oh. daring, uh, fill your bin bag full of washing up liquid um, uh, for the ultimate slidey experience. Yeah. Well, please, please don't. Yeah, no. I've, that, I've been down that road, and it doesn't always end well. <laughs> yeah. Tom, what have you got? Did you bring any uh, any hacks to this uh, conversation? What do you find yourself recommending to patients on a, on a regular basis? Well, I think the most common one is you get up out of bed and off chairs regularly. It's one of the things we do, you know, without even thinking about it. And that's, that can be kind of a, a painful experience for someone in back pain. So um, the simple one really of 
not making it difficult for yourself when you're getting up. We see it with patients in the room, just simply lying on your side, bringing knees up to kind of a 90 degree position, getting the feet already off the bed and just using your hands to push yourself up. I think that's probably the most common thing we see because you, I guess you guys have experienced it as well. The, the amount of awkward ways people get off a bed and they look in agony as they're trying to get up and then you explain to them a very simple, this kind of uh, um, just 90 degree position that, that helps. So, so you mean, so a patient wakes up in the morning and they're lying, they're lying on their side and they know that, you know, sitting, like doing a sit up to get themselves up is going to be quite painful. So you mean lie on your side, however you get there and then drop your legs, you know, bring your knees up towards your chest and then drop your shins and ankles kind of off the edge of the bed. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it just reduces the, uh, certainly the, the, the feet and ankles and the shins off the edge. It reduces the amount of, um, I guess, resistance you're going to have as you use your hands to push up. Um, it's something simple, but... And it's often, a counterweight. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're going yeah. from a seating position on your side to 90 degrees facing upright. So um, it's yeah. usually pretty easy. Momentum usually, yeah, brings you up. No, no, perfect. That's, and it's often how we, we will tell patients to get up off our bench. And then I, I say to people, try this at home. You know, this is how you get up off the bed at home because people, often in the mornings, you're so stiff and the morning's often the worst time for a lot of back pain. And then having to suddenly then do a sit-up to get out of bed. You know, how many times have you had people say, it took me an hour to get out of bed this morning or two hours or even longer, or I couldn't get out of bed at all this morning, um, called an ambulance. You know, that's happened as well because people can't even get out of bed. So a little hack, that's, quite a, that's a good one actually, Tom. Do you use that one, Dave? Um, yeah, especially, like I said, for getting people off the bench or for, um, uh, yeah, that, that early morning sit-up, like you said. Um, yeah, what an idea, Tom. I like that. I like that way of explaining it as well, 1990. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, nice yeah. and simple. And I think it's one of those epiphany moments, I think, that patients have in the clinic when you go, have you thought of doing it this way? And then they do it and they go, oh, yeah, that was a lot easier to do, wasn't it? Mm. I think that's what it's about. It's making it easier for patients to do these things and get on with their normal day activities. Can I can I add a little addendum to that, Tom? Um, can I suggest that if you're listening and you think that what a great idea, try that when you're not in your worst pain. So almost like practice it beforehand. Um, because when you're in a hell of a lot of pain first thing in the morning, that's not the time to be practicing something for the first time. Give it a couple of goes when you're in a relatively lower pain state, if it's possible. If you're in pain all the time, hey, give it a crack. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think what an awesome thing to do, practice it a little bit before you're in that, before you need it, if you like, if that makes sense. No, that's, that's uh, I think, yeah. your advice, yeah. Once you've moved through that a few times, you know, and especially even in the mornings as well, that going moving first thing in the morning. I mean, here's another hack. Moving first thing in the morning is so important. And people will often wake up and they'll be at their stiffest. They'll be really tight. They'll be in a lot of pain. And if you can get moving, and that can be anything, that can just be doing walk laps around the coffee table, or it can be a couple of climbs up and down the stairs. It can be, I don't mind, whatever it is, just something to move, you know, eat your cereal doing laps of the garden. That early morning movement is so important because so often we wake up we're in pain and then you might have a shower. You then sit down to have your breakfast. You then, you know, get your child ready and then you go and sit in the car on the way to work and then you sit in the car, sit in the office again. And you've just, you haven't actually done more than 30 steps the whole morning before you're kind of in the office. So if you can get in some early steps and some early movement, it's a really, really good thing to, uh, to help to reduce that stiffness and that pain. Or get a dog and you have to get up for an early morning walk. I think that's a, uh, that's a good long-term strategy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Fact number seven, get a dog. <laughs> get a dog. A tall dog so you don't have to bend down too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or an old one that's not a puppy. We have to bend down after it all the time. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, I don't have a, a, a dog walking hack, but um, I've got a walking hack. While we're talking about activities, while we're talking about getting around the place, I'm going to go for the big one. We've got a load of golfers coming in at the moment and it's quite changeable weather. So what? Uh, if you're listening and you're a golfer, this one's for you, okay? When you're walking around the golf course, depending on the weather, check what's in your bag. Um, we do a lot of golf, golf assessments. Uh, people bring in their golf bag. They weigh about 50 kilograms, I swear. They've got a full set plus of all their favorite clubs. They've got waterproofs that have sat in there for two years. They've got six liters of water, three energy bars, spare pair of shoes. Um, they seem to have like an entire wardrobe in there. It's ridiculous. These bags are massive. Now, even me, who loses approximately 18 balls per round... Um, there's not so much that you need check your bag before you head out don't go out with 25 clubs you don't need them to play a good round um it's also not legal to have 25 clubs in your bag as well is it not (laughs) i'll stick to just 24 tom um (laughs) uh, that's it so look at that golf bag i'm fed up of picking people's golf bag up it's real low hanging fruit if you're a golfer check out what's going on we tell women off uh, um, carrying really really heavy handbags you tell a school child off for having a really heavy school bag a golf bag is just the same you're carrying around dead weight around the course when you don't have to especially as we're coming up to more towards uh, autumn and it's getting boggy underfoot it's a little bit more difficult to wheel them uh, or your batteries might run out um, check that golf bag don't take dead weight around the course with you an easy one for you today guys I think that's so much more important if like me I haven't played golf for about three or four months and I'm sure there's probably still water bottles in there that I haven't, you know, haven't taken out from the last time. So, so like that's for infrequent golfers as well. If you're going for that that one game you've not played in a while, do look in it. You're dead right. That's a good idea. No, I love it. And while we're on golfers, I've got another thing which I often find I recommend a lot to golfers, and that is the reverse swing. So, you know, it's not ideal from a golf um, kind of practicing your swing, but if you're quite stiff and your back's quite sore doing a reverse swing, i.e. swinging from, if you're a right-handed golfer, you know, you swing from right to left. If you can flip the club around and do a left-handed swing, you just help to just mobilize the spine in a slightly different direction. And if you're really stiff or your back's a bit sore that day, getting some movement into it is really, 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 really important. So as a warm-up, gently going through 10 or so air swings left and right, you find you'll just help to unstick yourself and unfree yourself a little bit and then you can carry on with your day or carry on with your round. So is this so this is for a warm-up, Rob? It's not for your first tee shot, suddenly switch grip. Um, this, this is to, like, <laughs> no, to, to no. get you warmed up for that as, as part of your uh, early routine. Um, do listen to the golf uh, podcast we have previously if you are a golfer listening to this and don't know about your early, um, early routine pre-round. Um, so you, you do a couple of repetitions. Would you do them then throughout the round as well, Rob? If you were feeling a bit tight, perhaps, if you're feeling like you, you know, you stiffened up a bit? Yeah, uh, de- definitely. If someone was in pain as they were, as they were playing, then yeah, do, do a couple of, do a couple of swings left-handed. You can also flip the club upside down and hold the head of the club and point the shaft down towards the floor. And then doing a bit of a swing there with a bit of a lighter, uh, lighter, lighter club effectively. 
um, means you can just go through the movements without as much weight on the end of it. You find that's quite quite good too. Fantastic. Now, let's say, Rob, I'm going to take this a, a step further for all this. We're turning into a golf one, isn't it? Um, uh, would you do that same movement then through the week or, or you know, through the days? Uh, would you repeat that if, if you feel like um, you were stiffening up let's say you, you've done two rounds that week. It's been a really beautiful week. You've done four rounds that week. Would you keep repeating that movement? Would you do like practice runs? You mean, you mean would, I, would I carry on recommending that they do a left-handed swing? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think, could you, could you introduce that then through the week? Because you're trying to, uh, if I understand right, you're trying to undo the repetitions of the, the regular swing. Um, so you're doing the reverse swing to kind of reactivate and, and, and loosen off in the opposite direction. Could you use that if you're feeling stiff just after a, after a couple of rounds? You know, when you're not necessarily on the golf course warming up yeah. or during. Yeah, because the whole point of doing a movement like that is, is to decrease the threat. And if you're doing a regular um, regular swing and you're having pain, it's often because the brain is experiencing that as a threat. So it's thinking oh, we don't really like you doing this very much. You're not doing any damage by doing that. Or if you're sore after sore after after golf, you haven't broken anything. It just means that you're a little threatened in that movement. So by repeating that movement again in a slightly safer environment, usually, you know, if you're doing it at home, you're not going to be putting 110% behind that kind of backswing. Yeah, so if you're repeating that in kind of a safe environment, it just helps to kind of tell the brain that this movement's okay. And you might find it will help just to reduce the pain as well. So yes, in, in, in short answer, yes, I would. Excellent. Fantastic. Another fantastic tip for the golfers. Tom. Should we take it away from golf? <laughs> Let's go away from Unless you've got a massive golf tip for us. Well, I think a lot of these tips are, uh, and, and hacks we've maybe developed over the years are patients have kind of told us about, you know, whereas I guess the experience for us isn't just us uh, knowing things, it's patients finding things out for themselves. And well, I've got quite a few golfers who, when they do have back pain, have have taken things like the woods and the drivers out of their bag so they don't uh, feel tempted to use them and they often have a much better round because they're not swinging trying to absolutely nail the ball into oblivion mm. and sometimes they even come back with better rounds because you know they're concentrating on on hitting it straight and i certainly know i have uh, the problem with not always hitting it uh, um hitting it straight and lots of others will as well and you you relax and often you know the swing feels more comfortable with with a set of irons and um you're not playing catch up in the woods yeah absolutely no uh for sure for sure and look, this can go to all sports as well um if you offer a round a round uh, a game a um uh, a collect i don't know a collective noun of tennis um do you need four rackets, you know, 25 balls, six Alpen bars? Probably not. You know, uh, pick your favorite one, pick your Excalibur, take it to tennis with you. Um, if you're uh, if you're a table tennis champ, do some reverse uh, swing, uh, reverse batting. Um uh, to stop that that one oh, I've, I've gone I've gone into well into the weeds of this haven't I boys let's, let's nix this point completely Aaron we need this cut please sir um, uh, can we cut from Tom's last point just to, in the entirety of me talking and we're going to start that again that was um, 
just a, just a, just a, yeah. Yeah. I don't Dave know. is not a sport analogy person. I, I should wait until maybe, I know what I'm talking hit, about. Aaron, can you put this bit in the out? Can you put this bit in the outtakes, Aaron? <laughs> All right, so that, hang on, I can record that 20 minutes for the outtakes, Aaron. <clears throat> Thank you very 21 much. 21 minutes on Rob Zoom. <coughs> yeah, let's take it from Tom's cool. last word. Someone else start. Mate, Excalibur is a really good name for your best, uh, Someone else do one. <laughs> okay, I've got another good one. Um, for people with sciatica, this is one I give a lot. Um, I've actually, I did a demonstration of this on my Instagram, actually. Um, so often with sciatica, and typically not always, but often with sciatica that might be coming from a disc or a disc problem, for more information, you can see our, our sciatica episode or all about that. People often get a lot of pain when they're flexing. Flexing, are you bending forwards? So that's kind of bending down to your shoelaces or the hallmark is sneezing and coughing. So people will sneeze and they cough and you go into that kind of, you know, like abdominal crunch type position. And often you can be having a really good day and that undoes everything. And you suddenly get electric shocks down your leg and then you have, you know, a really bad following 24 hours from that after a bit of a sneezing or a coughing attack. So the hack I give to people is sneeze standing up tall with your back arched. So if you can feel a sneeze coming on, stand up really tall, put the hands in the small of your back, arch back or look up to the ceiling and sneeze. If you can maintain that position while you're sneezing, you don't have anywhere near as much flexion and that might relieve some of the pain or not cause so much so much pain if you're quite flexion intolerant or someone that really doesn't like that flexion-based position. So just change the position that you sneeze in and you might have a bit of a better day from there, from there on. Yeah, it's almost that, almost like that typical position you see on photos, isn't it? With people, someone holding their back and kind of arching. Um, you see loads of those in pain photos. It's that that kind of position, uh, but tilting your head up. Did you say? Yeah, I, I mean, I tell if you find that if you tell them to tilt their head up, it means you naturally kind of extend a bit. You can't really look to the floor and kind of tilt your head up to the ceiling. It's quite difficult. So if you tell someone to put their head to the ceiling, you'll naturally kind of arch your lower back a bit. So if you get that arched in your lower back when you sneeze. It often is a better, comfortable, more comfortable position. But this is for the people who get a lot more pain when they're kind of bending forwards. If they're getting a lot of pain when they're arching backwards, I wouldn't advise them to do this. I wonder how many people have just been listening to a podcast that have done exactly the same as what I've just done and looked up to the ceiling to see if I extend my back. It's almost impossible not to. You've, you've got to have a little try, haven't you? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Tom, any more tips? Well, that, the flexion one's a really common one. Um, so... When you think of what things could cause flexion, obviously putting your socks on and putting shoes on, um, but brushing your teeth is one that patients complain about a lot because it's that kind of bending over to, um, you know, to um, I guess um, put the, the toothpaste into it back into the sink. So often, just leaning against the wall as you're going to do it kind of puts your, yourself in a position over the sink, but you're not then flexing the spine. So using the wall in front of you. Um, can be a useful way of, of bringing yourself over the sink, but not necessarily bringing your head more, you know, uh, downwards towards it, uh, which which creates that kind of flexion position in the spine. So you're eliminating some of the strain on the spine by by taking weight, if you like, with your with your hand. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to suggest uh, stop brushing your teeth, but no, that, that's a that's a much better suggestion. Yeah, so you can you can lean against whatever is in front of you to help take some of the weight. Could this be done? Um, 
so this is this is uh, what brushing teeth. This is something like shaving as well. That's often quite a common one, isn't it? Because you've got to get your face down towards the uh, towards the front. Um, so again, put some weight on that other hand. Take some of the strain and don't let it all um, rely solely on that forward flexion of your lower back. If that's what's causing you pain. Yeah, and it, it might be uncomfortable um, to do that initially, but once the pain's gone, you can go back to doing the normal way you brush your teeth. I think it's it's just something that can help whilst you're in pain. Yeah, Rob. I, I, I mean, to, with a caveat to that as well, it's something I say to patients is that there's nothing wrong with flexing your spine. So it's not the flexing that's causing the damage, but just at that moment, your brain's perceiving it as a threat. So this isn't a life hack. This isn't something to never bend your spine when you're brushing your teeth. This is just... Mm-hmm in the short term to help you just manage the pain of it. So when you're having a bad day, you don't want to be bending over, you, you, don't, you don't want to be bending over a sink because it will hurt. So this is just something to help you out a bit. When you're back to normal, you will be able to, you know, bend from your spine normally and brush your teeth and it won't cause you any harm. Yeah, it's not your new normal. It's what you can do to just help yourself get over the, the painful episode. Exactly. And uh, do apologize from us to your other halves or house cleaners for the handprints on all your bathroom mirrors. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing with flexion is that how many patients do you have that mention that getting socks and shoes on can be quite difficult? So there's a variety of ways you can do. Obviously, when, if you keep your feet on the floor and bend forward to, tie, to put your shoes on, if you're like sat down, um, that might be quite painful to do. So simply sitting up and bringing your foot towards your other knee, to the opposite knee, that can be a, a comfortable way of putting a shoe on. Again, you don't want to avoid bending uh, in the long term, but um, that's a position that a lot of patients find difficulty with. Um, so it's a really simple piece of advice and a lot of patients naturally do it anyway, I would say, um, because they don't want to bend down. Absolutely. No, exactly. And I, I kind of call it as well. And also if we can, if you can encourage movements like that in slightly different positions, so we call it, you know, kind of reverse patterning. So if someone is quite fearful of bending forward to touch, put their socks on or to put their shoes on, if you can you know, often that flexion position, if you can make them do that flexion position in a different movement, and we've spoken about this before, you know, for example, if bending your bending forwards when you're standing up to put your, to do your shoes up is causing a lot of pain, you can do that lying on your back and you can, you know, bring your knees to your chest or bring your toes up towards your head, you know, when you're lying on your back, you're still moving the spine in the same position, but it's a lot less threatening position for the spine and for the brain. So you find that you might be able to do that without pain. And if you can repeat that a few times, it just helps to dampen down that threat a bit. And then the next time you bend forward to put your shoes on, it would be a bit less painful. Sometimes it's the activity as well. I've, I've had plenty of patients up here in the Northwest that they quite like snooker. And to play snooker, you, you're flexing that spine quite a bit. You get them to do it in clinic and it's quite painful, but when they're playing snooker, it doesn't really hurt. Um, you know, they'll come back and report they've played an hour and a half of snooker and it wasn't really a problem at all. And, you know, the difference is, is that they're doing something they enjoy with that as well. So again, the threat, I guess, is taken away, um, you know, taken away a little bit. Um, so I think, I think with a lot of patients, sometimes you have like a, an intuition that, that things are, are um, you know, you find, if you find them okay to do, continue doing them, you know, um, don't, how many times has someone told you to stop doing something and it ends up being actually really comfortable to do? Um, so I think listening to your body is really important. And, you know, I think uh, I'm waffling here now. 
No, no, I think you're right, Tom. I think uh, no, no matter what, um, uh, and look, this is an advice, it's a, it's a hack episode after all. Uh, we're here giving advice, but you're absolutely right. You have to listen to your body. There will be um, differences between you and the person next to you with back pain in your conditions and in your anatomies. So not all cookie cutter advice is going to work for you. So if we're telling you to ease that motion going forwards, but you love going forwards, that feels really nice, then you go forwards, that feels really nice. You don't have to comply if your pain doesn't fit the pattern. No, you're spot on there, Tom. I agree. So what do you give advice to patients when it comes to things like housework? So there's lots of flexion involved in some housework activities. So my, um, uh, for me, one of my main things would be... uh, work up until pain don't work uh, don't always try and work through pain so if it's an aggravating factor try and try and fit that movement differently so what i'm trying to say is if um if you're hoovering for instance then try and hoover in a different manner so change the grip of the hoover change it from left hand to right hand split stance so move one leg in front of the other um, sit down and do some hoovering then stand up and do some hoovering try and change the pattern just like we said with um, uh, Rob earlier try and change the way that you're doing that exercise or that activity um, rather than just nixing that and saying I can't hoover because I get, I get back pain um, at the same time as that try and vary the time that you're doing these activities so if after half an hour of hoovering for instance or or scrubbing the floor you get pain well cool Rub, uh, scrub the floor 15 minutes take a 10 minute break do another 15 minutes see if that variance in duration can help to limit the the irritation that that might cause just like you don't want to go straight in and run a marathon after you've got a uh, feeling no pain you're going to change the duration and the intensity we can change the duration and intensity of something simple like housework by changing your position and by changing the timing that you're doing it as well that's one of my biggest uh biggest advices i think that i hand out on the daily yeah what's a split squat What's the split squat? You, say, you said you you tell people to do a split squat when they're hoovering. Can you uh, go into a bit more detail on that? Absolutely. Tell you what. So what I mean by that is by placing one foot in front of the other, you can vary the stresses going th- or, or vary the weight distribution, I should say, going through the legs, the pelvis, and therefore the spine. Uh, especially if you suffer from low back, whilst, uh, low back pain whilst you're hoovering. Often it's the twisting motion. If you're watching the web uh, webcam view of us, I'm doing a little twisting motion here. Um, that can irritate the lower back. It's a, a twist combined with some forward flexion which is uh, often a really aggravating position for some people so by placing one foot in front of the other that will limit the amount of rotation that occurs in your lower back and it will create some more stability this is a nice way of saying it's going to give you a better movement pattern it will give you a better uh, almost stronger stance and base to work from uh, so even placing one foot uh, half a meter in front of the other, even a couple foot in front of the other, um, will really help to change the muscles that are um, uh, involved in hoovering, the muscles that are working and should help give you a bit more stability um, uh, to stop aggravation. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that that transfers that yeah. to advice that we give patients with things like gardening. So instead of you know bending down to do gardening, getting into that kind of split stance and then almost like a lunge with resting one knee on the floor, that's that's a particularly comfortable position for people that want to do stuff um, you know close to the ground with gardening, and it's it's a very similar thing as what you're describing with the, the hoovering there. 
Absolutely. Um, now, so this is uh, this brings me into one of my favourite hacks. Actually, um, uh, I'll, I'll hijack this completely. So. When standing in a queue, it doesn't matter if it's for the bank, it doesn't matter if it's for the bar, it doesn't matter if it's for the bowls club. When you're standing still for some time, a lot of people do experience low back pain. It's a really common complaint to people coming into the clinic. I can do this, this, and this. However, when I, as soon as I stand still for longer than 5, 10, 20 minutes, whatever it is, people start to get aggravation down into the lower back. I tell them to adopt that same split stance, one foot in front of the other. The interesting thing you'll see around many pubs, bars, drinking establishments, especially in the UK for our UK listeners, there'll be a really low, often brass or chrome bar going around most bars that you'll find. This is because barkeepers, uh, innkeepers know that by standing still with one foot square to the other for over an hour, a lot of people will start to get um, lower back pain, especially if you've, you know, you've had a tough day down the mines like we all do here in the UK. So by placing one foot in front of the other, especially one foot slightly raised, that will allow you to get another good two or three pints in at the bar and therefore keeping your publican happy um, and uh, and keeping you out with your mates. Next time you're in a bar, if you're in the UK or anywhere in the world, do let us know if you have bars all across the world. Um, a short probably what, what do you reckon guys 10 centimeter um half a foot bar going across the length of the bar to put a foot up on while you're drinking will allow you to stay there for much longer you'll probably alternate alternate feet as well left right left right like i said at least a minimum of three extra pints in before you go home fantastic well done publicans across the world you've figured it out how to keep us in there for longer now if i can transition this away from alcoholism we can use this little tip for doing the washing up i'm sorry to be boring guys listeners at home as well i'm sorry but look, i've got to be practical if you're doing the washing up you can either use that split stance because at the end of the day you're standing up at a flat surface you can use that split stance or get a small box a crate from a um i was about to say from milk but that's that's from about the 60s isn't it um uh, a small box something fairly sturdy to put your foot up on and you'll end up in that same position you can do hours worth of washing up i'm sorry guys but you can um and you may find that that decreases your lower back pain a little bit give it a try for me i find that loads of fun so uh rob what i what i do what i do is um, what I recommend is you don't need a box. If you're at the sink, open up the cupboard underneath and tell them to put their foot up on the bottom shelf. Genius. Same thing. Yeah. Box when you're ironing, but uh, if you pop, a, pop your foot up on a shelf and the, the underneath the sink, it does exactly the same thing and you can stand at a slightly better angle um, as, you're, as you're washing up. That probably allows you to get a bit closer towards the, the sink as well, right? If you have any feet underneath. Yeah, exactly. How clean is your underneath cupboard though in your sink? I'm thinking about all my bags for life that are going to fall out. This is terrible. I've got 10,000 in there. That's my pension, those bags for life. They can put them in your car now, Dave. To- <laughs> True. <laughs> all right. I think, I think we've got time for about one more. So I've got one which might kick us into another one. But the one I, I find is, do you talk about standing a lot and how... Um, no, what we're talking about. We're talking about seating. Um, when you... Obviously, sitting when your back is sore, he doesn't like it very much. So obviously, we tell people to move as much as you possibly can. And whenever you can move, get out of that seated position. However, there are some instances when you can't move. This might be a really important meeting. It might be a job interview. It might be a long train journey, whatever it might be. So what I say is if you can sit with your knees lower than your hips, you might find that's a bit of a more of an active or more comfortable sitting position. 
So what I mean by that is come right to the edge of a chair, and I'm, I'm doing it now on camera. Come right to the edge of a chair, tuck your toes underneath the seat, if you can, like a dining chair, and point your knees down towards the floor. If you put a bit of weight through your feet there, it just keeps you a little bit more stable, and it just takes a bit of pressure off the lower back, which doesn't really like it when you're sitting all day. So for that, again, for that short term, if you're in a lot of pain, you've got to sit down and you can't get up and move, just try this position, you know, change the sitting position, and you'll find that's quite quite beneficial. What a great tip, Rob, especially for all those people who are working from home currently, who are stuck on dining room chairs or chairs that aren't that ergonomic because we are, uh, for those of you who are listening at a later date, many years in the future, this is during uh, the great COVID-19 um, uh, working from home spree. Um, if you're stuck on a chair for many hours a day working and it's not your ergonomic 3000 chair, um, what a great way to, to set your body in a great posture to eliminate any irritation that may have been caused. Fantastic, Rob. What a pertinent hack. Pertinent COVID hack. Absolutely. Tom? Well, I think it then also goes to when you're choosing a chair, if you're in back pain, patients often prefer to be higher. It's much easier. You're putting less pressure for yourself getting up. And it's, you know, again, you don't want to always be sitting in the high chair. It's okay to sit in low chairs, but when you're really suffering, it's much easier to get off something that's, a good, um, you know, 10 centimetres uh, taller than, uh, than than a chair lower than that. And that's why you see, I guess, in uh, lots of elderly patients that have these like elephant feet that go underneath their, um, the chairs they sit in the living room with. It just makes it easier to, to, to get out of the chair. What's, ele- what's elephant feet? Well, they're these little, um, you can get these little plastic things. Uh, my grandparents have got them that go underneath the four corners of the chair and it raises the chair up by... Um, uh, a good, you know, 10 centimetres or so. Um, but it, it means that the chair won't kind of move or won't kind of slide on the carpet. Um, so it looks, they're, they're little grey things that have little um, uh, little kind of feet on each kind of, uh, well, it's, it's round, so it's not got corners, but um, I guess uh, every uh, 90 degrees just to, just to stabilise yeah. them. Yeah. That's a great explanation of an elephant. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for joining for another episode. And Tom, thank you for joining your very first guest appearance on the Back Pain Podcast. I hope thank it was you, okay for you. We weren't too uh, too traumatic for you. No, thanks for having me, guys. It's been uh, it's been fun. Brilliant. Right. So that about wraps us up. As always, please check us out on our social media at the Back Pain Podcast across all formats. If you're suffering and you don't know where to turn to, we have an associated Facebook group, the Back Pain and Sciatica Support Group UK on Facebook. Join on there, it's full of videos, tips, hints, and other people that may be suffering who can help provide you with some advice or some solutions for any problems you might be having. So that's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good night and thank you very much for joining in. Cheers, guys. Bye.